Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with legendary Canadian jazz guitarist Lauren Lofsky. We talked to him about his latest 2021 CD, This Song is New. He is well known as a former member of the Oscar Peterson Quartet, giving the world his first studio album in nearly 25 years. Born, raised, and based in Toronto, he has performed at venues all over the world, from Carnegie Hall to the Montreal Jazz Festival, gigging with the likes of Dizzy Gillespie, Ray Brown, Benny Carter, Dave Holland, Rosemary Clooney, and Clark Terry. Get to know him and dig this interview. Thanks for taking a minute out. Oh, my pleasure, man. The song is new. Talk to me a little bit about having an album coming out during a pandemic what are your feelings on the timing of this and just kind of what's going on on the planet right now oh you mean in this new abnormal yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah pretty strange well um initially the recording was uh it was done in very late i was done december 28 2019 and basically what happened was it was a I wrote a few tunes and then I re- rearranged uh, some jazz standards and I got together with some friends and musical partners of about 40 years, some dear friends of mine that are all amazing players and great friends. And Anyway, we got together at a friend of mine's recording studio. His name is Roberto Acapinti. He has a studio, he has a record label called Modica Music. We went in basically just to run down some of these tunes of mine to get a feel for them. So basically it was a rehearsal kind of. And Roberto said, well, you know, while you guys are running it down, you know, I'll record it. Then you could listen back and, you know, figure out if you want to change anything or if you want to use it for a demo to get some funding to do some recording in the future, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, yeah, cool. So we, we just played. Most of the tunes were first takes, by and large. And uh, anyway, we laid it down. I heard it, heard it back a bit. And then, I, you know, I sat on it for a while, like people typically do. And then... Um, a couple months later, uh, COVID came in, and I listened to it uh, after having not heard it for a while. I listened to it, and I heard uh, quite a lot of positive music there. So I thought, in light of the COVID situation and people being locked down and not being able to get together, I thought, you know, I'm gonna, I'll, uh, I'm gonna put this out, and uh, that's that's sort of how it came about. So it is definitely a jazz record in that it is we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants. So. Uh, there's some interesting moments there. Yeah, like I said, during the COVID thing, I mean, there's nothing going on. Everything's like on Zoom or Microsoft Teams or whatever. You can't, you know, the whole playing thing is really, it's been totally compromised. So, um, yeah, so it was an album that was, uh, you know, released during the pandemic. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping people will enjoy it. So, in a nutshell. What do you miss the most about that old world back in March that you're looking forward to getting back to? Well, I mean, uh, I, I love, obviously, I love playing with uh, with musicians. And, I mean, I, you know, I like to go back to work and play a bit. The scene up in the Toronto area hasn't been great the last few years. It's You know, it's been okay. But um, yeah, getting together with people, not even necessarily to play for people, but just getting together with peers and colleagues and being able to engage in the same room as opposed to, you know, trying these, these computer programs that, you know, sort of deal with latency to, to a certain degree, but it's, you know, it's not the same. There's no, there's no substitute for being with people and interacting, you know, socially and musically because, you know, music is, I mean, especially jazz, it's, it's primarily an interactive art form. I mean, people do solo things, of course, but the vast bulk of it is people playing with other people and really sort of engaging in, 
and uh, like a common goal and, and having fun together, you know. And uh, so that's that's the thing that uh, I miss the most, you know. I mean, I practice all the time at home, and I'm always learning things, but that whole thing about, uh, you know, interacting with people and being able to hang out, you know, it's it's a very important part of the whole culture of music in general, so... Yeah. We all realized about this long time away from music, both musician and the audience. Well, again, too, I mean, well, you, you notice, I'm sure you've noticed, too, that, like, everybody is, is posting videos of themselves playing and even posting older videos of themselves playing. Uh, maybe that's in part because people, I don't know, they don't want to be forgotten or they're just, they're trying to keep some semblance of, like, a musical scene alive, but it's all through video and audio now as opposed to the live thing you know so but uh, yeah i mean there is a connection for sure between artists and and their audiences there's a definite energy that one gets you know when you play live and i'm not even i'm not referring to applause or anything like that but just the fact that they're you know they're hearing the music unfold right when you do you know it's it's sort of like i sometimes think about jazz music as being uh, you know, when you're listening to a, a show and all of a sudden you hear this little weird, uh, you know, beep, beep, beep or something, and they say, you know, this just in, like news bulletin, news flash. To me, jazz music is always like these bulletins that are happening one after the other. In other words, the audi- if you're playing live, the audience is sort of uh, having access to these news flashes just when you do. You know, when you all of a sudden get an idea and you play it, you know, you, you're playing it on the fly, and those people are hearing it when when that's happening too so there's this real sense of immediacy you know when you hear a record you know you're hearing a documentation of something that's already happened but when you hear it live you know you you can't substitute recorded music for the the, the immediacy and the the impact of of live playing you know uh there's there's a huge difference i think anyway yeah so how did this music journey begin for you how did you kind of fall into music kind of your childhood some of your influences Oh, well, you know, I mean, initially, I, you know, I sort of grew up, uh, I grew up in, well, I was born in 54, so I grew up, like, listening to the Beatles and, you know, and, uh, and onward from there, and then I discovered guitar at the age of 11, and then I, you know, I, got, I wanted to be a guitar god, you know, when I was a teenager, I sort of tried to mimic Eric Clapton and Johnny Winter and Jimmy Page and Hendrix and people like that, and, and then uh, uh, some friends played me a recording, a Miles Davis recording, a kind of blue. Uh, and then uh, I just thought, wow, this is amazing. I had no idea what what I was hearing, but there was something about it that really kind of grabbed me, and um, that sort of started my musical journey. And I, I guess around, I was around uh, 17, 16 or 17, and then I started getting into jazz and going out to some local jazz clubs and really get into getting into it and taking a few lessons. And then I studied music at university for a couple of years, and I, you know. I'm, Kind of a practiceaholic, so I, um, I've just spent many, many hours and many, many years working on things and listening to records, and and uh, I guess through a lot of determination and a lot of hard work, I wound up having some incredible opportunities through the years, playing with Oscar Peterson and the great Ed Bickert, who was one of my mentors on guitar, one of the greatest jazz guitarists ever, and um, Chet Baker and, and you know, a whole bunch of other people. Um, so it's been a great journey, you know, and it's, uh, I guess in, in part, I mean, some those opportunities, sometimes they, uh, some of it's timing and some of it is, um, you know, people sort of uh, recognize whatever skill set you happen to have and they want to, uh, 
you know, they want to hire you or play music with you, you know, so it's it's been a great ride so far, and uh, I've, I've been very fortunate. I've, I've learned a lot, and I'm continuing to learn daily. Actually, just before this phone call, I was working on a beautiful uh, standard tune, Spring Can Really Hang You Up the Most, which is very apropos <laughs> right now. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a work in progress, you know. This, this whole thing. I mean, anybody that I think anybody that's on on, uh, on an artistic journey, you know, whether it's dance, whether it's art, if it's photography, you know, you're always learning, and and everything that you're doing is it's hopefully constantly evolving. You know, and um, that's that's the great thing about it. Nobody nobody has it totally together. You know, I bet if Bill Evans' rest of his soul was still around, he'd still be searching for things to do. You know, so. It's like that, you know. So the journey, the journey starts, and then it kind of stops. Uh, I guess when you take your last breath, whenever that is. So it's uh, it's a great uh, it's a great uh, ride, you know. Indeed. So talk to me a little bit about you've been around Oscar Peterson and some really big names and legends and luminaries. What did you learn from these big names that? you in turn have taught other people? What have they, what they give you that you in turn have given to younger players? Oh, oh well, quite a few things. One is, uh, one is the, the, the importance of sort of being very focused when you play, be, uh, playing with a real sense of deliberation and commitment and intent. And, you know, the, the idea of like, don't, when you're playing, don't phone it in, like don't go on autopilot, you know, try different things, uh, be professional, um, you know, take care of business, be prepared. Uh, I'll give you an example. When Oscar Peterson hired me for the for the gig, he he asked me to come to his house to rehearse, right? So I showed up with my guitar and amp. I went, we hung out, had some coffee in his kitchen, and he he had a stack of CDs there. And I said, uh, I said, do you want to play a bit? He says, no. Uh, here's a bunch of CDs, and and he had a piece of paper with a list of tunes from those CDs, and he said, I just want you to go home and learn these. So I went home and I learned I learned them and he was very very impressed actually and after our first tour he wrote me a lovely letter just it was complimentary just sort of commending me for my you know for the effort that I put in and uh, in learning his repertoire and stuff you know and um, so yeah that's a good lesson to to that I try and impart to my students I said you know get your stuff together work on your stuff make sure that you're trying to play whenever possible at the top of your game Lord knows it doesn't always happen but you want to try and really give it your best shot at all times and, and continue to study. Like don't, don't stop, keep developing. I mean, they, all those people did. And as a matter of fact, when Oscar, after he had a stroke and he came back, his left hand was quite compromised, obviously because it's a physical condition. And so I did a lot of the comping for him, but he wound up, but he, but his right hand was, it was incredible. And, and he still, he still, play these things that were, that were really beautiful. They weren't the Oscar of old because he was a different Oscar. Uh, but so he, he tried to keep evolving and sort of was working with with what he was doing at the time. And uh, I admire so many musicians for like really, you know, continuing to develop. Ed Bickert's another example. Jim Hall's another example. People that just, uh, you know, keep developing. So uh, and I try and get that across to the students. I also try, a lot of young jazz students these days, they're not really, they don't seem to be all that big on learning like the Great American Songbook as much as learning sort of new 
you know, jazz standards from their, whoever their heroes are, which is great. But I always tell them, you've got to go back to the source and you've got to listen to, like, uh, all the giants, you know, like, all the people that are playing actively, you know, there's a great expression, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. And it's true. I mean, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing if other people didn't come first and sort of throw down the gauntlet, you know. Um, so that's another thing I try and tell the students. I said, check it, check all the all the people out on different instruments, not just your own instrument, you know. And um, if you're a piano player, go back and listen to Bud Powell. You know, Chick Corea was, was hugely influenced by Bud Powell. Uh, Bill Evans was. I mean, a host of people were. And so, you know, they, uh, the students have to go back and they've got to, like, really check out what's come before their current favorites, you know, and see where this music is you know, how it's developed. And that'll, that'll really give them a very strong foundation for moving forward. So, so that's something I learned too from playing with all those, all those heavyweights. <laughs> you know. What, what have you seen over the years that you've been in jazz? What developments have you seen that's been reassuring to you that shows that jazz is moving in a, in a very positive evolutionary uh, pace forward? Well, I mean, I've heard some. I mean, I've I've got uh, I've got fairly a uh, fairly wide parameters when it comes to musical taste, and I'm I'm sort of open to anything. Uh, I've I've heard uh, well, I mean, I've heard some really fantastic things, things that are very thought provoking, and some interesting sort of uh, like hybrids of of jazz. And I don't mean like jazz fusion, like you know when you take funk and then you you know you take a few altered altered scale licks and put it together, and all of a sudden it's you know, it's jazz rock, but uh, different cultures. There's an amazing, great musician. He's been around for years now. Lionel Lewicki, he's playing with uh, Herbie Hancock, and I think he played with Wayne Shorter. He sings and he plays, and he's from, uh, where's he from? Benin, I think. He did a clinic at this university I teach at, and he, he, uh, he there's a great example of somebody that's really moving the music forward. It's all improvised, and he's he's taking music from African cultures and different rhythms. And he's also adding in, he, he said he studied bebop when he was much younger. So he's sort of embracing a whole, like a, a real cross-section of different influences based on his upbringing and then based on other things that he that he heard from, you know, like Western music, you know, i.e. bebop and, and various things related. So I'm, I'm seeing... Um, you know, I'm seeing an interesting kind of, uh, as you say, like an evolution in the in jazz. I mean, if you ask 12 different people what jazz is, you'd probably get 12 de- different definitions. Or if if you said to someone, name name some jazz musicians. Again, some people, you know, you'd you'd get a very very wide cross section of names. And I think that's a good thing. I, I think the music, anything has to evolve and it has to develop. So I, I think from that standpoint, um, the music is still definitely moving forward and it's expanding. And um, I find that very encouraging, you know, because um, we don't want this music to, uh, as soon as it stops developing, I think it'll it'll atrophy, you know, it'll, it'll die. So the idea that it, it is still developing is, uh, I find that very encouraging. And, um, and it gives me... Um, it also gives me reasons to go to my guitar and want to keep practicing. Uh, I'll give you an example. Like, sometimes I'm, I'm so into practicing and, and developing that sometimes when I hear a recording or I see a video, sometimes I don't even watch it or listen to it, you know, uh, to its uh, conclusion. 
I'll, I'll get some ideas and then I'll go to my guitar and I won't want to try and emulate what I'm hearing, but I'll try and build on what I'm hearing or try find to find something inside myself that might already be there waiting to come out that was triggered by the music that I heard. And I think that's one of the greatest things about art is that it, it even though what you're seeing is external, what it does is it triggers internal things and then you, you go on kind of a... Uh, you know, kind of a voyage of, excuse me, like a voyage of self-discovery in, in that you tap into yourself and you find things that were actually there and they were sort of latent. And then they, and then hearing something uh, brings something out in your playing that you didn't even know existed. So, so that's happening more and more because there's more and more different things happening, you know, things to check out. So, so I think things are quite healthy in many ways. Without a doubt. So everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, that you're ultimately living your life. Who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? Well, that's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a very inquisitive individual. And uh, um, like, like I said, I'm, I'm one of my main reasons for living is, is like to play music. And um, uh, to me, um, it's, you know, I'm an individual. Like I said, I'm 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 on a mission. I'm sort of on a journey. I'm I'm trying to develop uh, to my full potential uh, on a daily basis, and and um, and by just uh, exposing myself to different types of music, and then and then trying to kind of um, you know internalize different influences, and then use them in different ways at different times. It's making me. Uh, I'm hoping. A, a more open individual, um, a, a wiser individual, also a more sensitive individual. Um, I, uh, I, I, well, like anybody, you know, when you see something on the internet that's very heartwarming, it's, um, it really has a very positive effect on me, and uh, it, it stays with me. And I try and bring, I try and bring those feelings, I try and recall those feelings on a daily basis and try and, and use those feelings to help me be a more giving, open and uh, empathic individual. And, and playing jazz is something that certainly strengthens those things because when you play music, you've got to be open to the moment. If you're playing with people, you've got to be open to what they're saying. You have to embrace what they're saying, react to it, like you know, musically converse with them and so on. So th- those are some of the qualities that I kind of aspire to. Um, and I'm very fortunate in that being a musician is, is a way to, to help me kind of uh, get in touch with those feelings, you know, and, and, uh, and, and develop them, you know, so, and use them as sort of guiding principles in my life. So that's the goal anyway. <laughs> Beautiful. Hey, man, thank you for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz today. This has been illuminating. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview. We give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Toronto, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Lauren for his time, music, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time. Enjoy the jazz, my friends.
Neon Jazz.